There is a war and the war is against Satan. He is the enemy of our soul. He is the evil one. We're going to talk about that today in a few minutes. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Ember. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are talking about the Bible, the 66 books written by the 40 authors over thousands of years, all with the same theme. Today, we're going to focus on Numbers 26. This is going to be a very interesting study, so stay there. Corey and Ryan are joining us. Corey? I'm going to be taking a look at the sometimes strange, sometimes controversial chapter of Numbers 25. Ryan? Well, today I'm talking about the plea made to Moses by the daughters of Zelophehad. It is in itself a unique exception to the law, but it also seems to have its connections to Jesus Christ. Would not want to be in high school with that name, Zelophehad. Would not want to be, but that's very, very interesting. It's good, a good time. Uh, What are you going to do? Today, I titled my segment, The Everlasting Word. All right, get your Bible guide. Let's open it up and find out what God says. Numbers 26, 1 through 10. And it came to pass after the plague that the Lord spoke to Moses and Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saying, Take a census of all the congregation of the children of Israel from twenty years old and above by their fathers' houses, all who are able to go to war in Israel. So Moses and Eleazar the priest spoke with them in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho, saying, Take a census of the people from twenty years old and above, just as the Lord commanded Moses and the children of Israel who came out of the land of Egypt. Reuben was the firstborn of Israel. The children of Reuben were of Hanok, the family of the Hanakites, of Palu, the family of the Paluites, of Hezron, the family of the Hezronites, of Carmi, the family of the Carmites, These are the families of the Reubenites. Those who were numbered of them were 43,730. And the son of Palu was Eliab. The sons of Eliab were Nemuel, Dathan, and Abiram. These are the Dathan and Abiram, representatives of the congregation, who contended against Moses and Aaron in the company of Korah, when they contended against the Lord. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up together with Korah when that company died, when the fire devoured 250 men, and they became a sign. Numbers chapter 26, verses 1 through 10. It's interesting, in Numbers, we learn some fascinating things. And I use the word fascinating because it's important to understand what God is doing in the book of Numbers. Today, as we read this, Numbers 26 records the second time that God had Moses take a census of Israel. The census showed how the nation had changed during its time in the wilderness and emphasized how the land of Israel would be divided once the nation took possession of it. Now, in this census, list. Rebellion against God is mentioned. Now we're reminded once again that rebellion is not something we should boast about. 
Rebellion is not a virtue. There are some circumstances that we may require in opposition to human leadership, but that's never a good idea to have pride in rebellion. It's not something that we should relish. In fact, what rebellion is against God is terrible and it is deadly. In fact, all of our decisions in life should be approached humbly and prayerfully. We don't know everything, but we do know that God does. Now, that's very, very important. And as Moses wrote this book, he writes down all of the intricacies going on and the challenges and all of that. We learn a lot about Christ. Now, if you do me a favor and take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage, we're going to learn much about this idea. We're going to focus on the Bible, and Numbers chapter 26 is fascinating, and help us to get a hold of this. Let's pray. Father, today we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would help us to hear your word and learn what you're saying. And Father, I ask today that you would teach us your ways, and we wouldn't read our ideas into it. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, amen and amen. Now take your Bible guide. If you don't have one, write to us or call us. We'll send you a Bible guide. It's really good. But let's look at today's scripture because that's very important. It reads this way. And it came to pass after the plague that the Lord spoke to Moses and Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, saying, take a census of all the congregation, saying, Take a census of all the congregation of the children of Israel from 20 years old and above by their father's houses, all who are able to go to war in Israel. This brings me to the first point, which we look at. It's very interesting. You see, the Lord is involved in fighting and winning war against Satan. Okay, the Lord's involved in fighting and winning wars against Satan. Christians recognize that our work is never done until we're taken out of the way. Now, we need to remember that because God tells us that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. This is Ephesians chapter 6. But we fight spiritual battles. And when we recognize that, we understand that our spirits are very much in challenge today with the spirit of Satan or the enemy of our soul. Now, fortunately, by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit is stronger. And so we pray, God, help us. We belong to you now. Help us to win this struggle. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, let's read more because this really gets interesting. It says here, So Moses and Eliezer, the priest, spoke with them in the plains of Moab by Jordan, across from Jericho, saying, Take a census of the people from 20 years old and above, just as the Lord commanded Moses and the children of Israel who come out of the land of Egypt. Reuben was the firstborn of Israel. The children of Reuben were Hanok, in the family of the Hanokites, of Palu, the family of the Paluites, and Hezron, the family of the Hezronites, Carmi, the family of the Carmelites. These are the families of the Reubenites. Those who were numbered of them were 43,730. That's something. The families of Israelites were large and God blessed them. You see, God blesses Christians, Christ followers, and their families as we serve Him. 
I remember when I was growing up and my father would say this to me often. He said, the Lord, we have to invite the Lord to come in and take care of our family. And you know, all my grandfathers and my uncles were pastors and all that stuff. So I heard the best sermons and and God is the one who got a hold of me through reading his word. And my father said that to me. And I always remembered that. So I prayed the same and you should pray the same as well. God sets us in families for a reason and calls us to families. That's why families are mentioned here in the Bible. So the census is very family orientated. Keep that in mind. Now, let's go on to the next verse because it says, And the son of Palu were Eliab, and the son of Eliab were Nemuel, Dathan, Abiram. These are Dathan and Abiram's representatives of the congregation who contended with Moses and Aaron in the company of Korah when they contended against the Lord and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up together with Korah. And when they had company die or when, when that company died and when the fire devoured 250 men and they became a sign. Now, this is important. Keep this in mind. The third point, God does not reward rebellion. God does not reward rebellion. Christ-like people or Christian followers know how to fall on our knees and pray in times of stress and abuse. We need to keep this in mind because oftentimes in the midst of this, we learn that God himself has said to us, you know, trust me and I will make your way right and I will help you in these spiritual battles. I want to tell you something. In my life, I have learned that the spiritual battles are intense. And there are times when I'll be going along and everything will be normal. And then I'll just, I'll get this resistance and I can't do, think about or do anything right. And I have to pray, Lord, help me today. And I realize when I pray that it's a spiritual battle. You see, there are times we need to realize things are not normal based on our outside circumstances. The enemy is fighting us. And that's where we pray and say to the Lord, Lord, I need your strength and I need your help. Help me to fight the spiritual battle because that's very, very important. So I would say today that if you are going through a spiritual battle now, I want to pray for you and that God would help you and strengthen you. Father, I pray that there's a lot of spiritual struggles happening right now in our world. We sense it and we see it. And Father, we see the results of that and the work on the news and everybody's doing. But Lord, there's a spiritual element with all the protests happening, with all the things happening. There's a spiritual side to this. So Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would help your people. Holy Spirit, come into your people, give them strength and give them hope. And help them, Lord, to navigate through this and to have the Spirit of Christ inside them so that they can be the example of you bringing peace and bringing comfort in a time that's very tumultuous. And I'm talking about the time in which we live right now. The time that we have and live and exist in now is very tumultuous. So help us, Father. And in the name of Jesus Christ, this is what we pray. And all of us said together, Amen.
Okay, so today I'm exploring a really fascinating portion of scripture regarding the daughters of Zelophehad. And this account is recorded in Numbers chapter 27, and here the Bible is talking about inheritance laws. Now, under normal circumstances, the firstborn son had the right to the inheritance. But for the daughters of Zelophehad, that was kind of a problem because their father had no sons. So they make a special plea to Moses, which it would seem had an even greater significance for the future. Check it out. Although biblical genealogies always trace the offspring through the males, Genesis 3.15 records the one exception. Here, God proclaims to Satan that one day the offspring or seed of the woman will crush his head. Not only is this completely unique as far as biblical genealogies go, but it is also a natural biological contradiction, since the seed is always provided by the man, not the woman. This verse, of course, was hinting at the supernatural virgin conception and birth of the future Messiah, Jesus Christ. Interestingly, just as Genesis 3.15 provides the one exception regarding biblical genealogies, so too does Numbers 27 about an offspring's inheritance. Though the inheritance rights always belong to the firstborn son, in this passage, the daughters of Zelophehad, Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milcah, and Terza, ask for this exception. Our father died in the wilderness, but he was not in the company of those who gathered together against the Lord, in company with Korah. But he died in his own sin, and he had no sons. Why should the name of our father be removed from among his family because he had no son? Give us a possession among our father's brothers. When Moses presents a request before the Lord, his response is favorable. The daughters of Zelophehad speak what is right. You shall surely give them a possession of inheritance among their father's brothers, and cause the inheritance of their father to pass to them. Thus it became official law that if no sons were available, then the daughter was permitted to receive that inheritance, as long as she married within her tribe. In such cases, her husband was legally adopted by her father. What is most interesting, however, is that just as the exception in Genesis 3.15 regarding genealogies relates to Jesus Christ, so too, it seems, does this law regarding inheritance. In fact, it appears that Jesus Christ's very claims to the throne of David hinge upon this unique law. That's because Heli, Mary's father, apparently had no sons, and Mary married within her own tribe, the tribe of Judah. So based upon the law, Mary had legal rights to her father's inheritance. Jesus, in turn, as Mary's firstborn, had rights to that inheritance. And so, being of the house and lineage of King David, Jesus Christ carried, and still carries, the legal title to the line. So both Genesis 3.15 and Numbers 27 are unique. Genesis in its genealogy and Numbers in its inheritance. One speaks of the offspring and the other speaks of the inheritance of the offspring. And significantly, both relate to Jesus Christ. And isn't that something? It's like I said a few days ago on the program, every detail in the Bible is there for a reason. It's there by purposeful design. And it all points to our Lord and Savior and God, Jesus Christ. Remember when Jesus, after his resurrection, revealed to two of his followers how the Old Testament speaks of him? Luke 24 records the scene. Verse 27 says, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, Jesus expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus is all throughout the Old Testament, and many a scholar has documented that fact. 
Psalm 40 verse 7 proclaims that the volume of the book is written of Jesus Christ. The question is, do you know him? He's the great I am. He is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of Israel. He's my God. No one can come to, come to God the Father except through Jesus Christ. And if you know Christ, then you know the Father and the Holy Spirit. My question to you is, do you know him? Do you trust him? Do you have a personal relationship with him? He's the only way to eternal life. And you pray and you say simply, Jesus Christ, come into my heart. I'm a sinner and I need you. Help me today, Lord. I, I, I just, I can't go any further. Be the Lord of my life because I'm giving my life to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You just simply pray. You talk to God. That's how you do it. It's very, very important. That's the most important decision you'll ever make. I made it over 40 years ago. Never once have I ever regretted it. Okay, Corey. All right, numbers 25, let's, let's jump right in. So we've got this controversial and kind of strange chapter of 25. We find out later that Balaam, who was unable to curse Israel, he decided to try to get Israel to curse themselves by worshiping other gods. Now, the way that he advised to do this was through marriages. So apparently marriages to the Midianites and Moabites seemed like a really good idea to Israel. And this does make a sort of sense when you think about it. God had already told this generation of Israelites that they would not enter the promised land. And they were camped in the territory of Moab and Midian. Now, ancient marriages were not normally about love. They were about safety and security. A marriage was an alliance with another family that came with multiple responsibilities between the families. Now, by marriage, you could give your family advantages that you did not have before. So you wanted to marry someone from a strong or strategic family. So what was it about the Midianites and Moabites that was so attractive? Well, they were politically powerful because there were a lot of them and they already occupied the land that Israel was currently living in. By making marriage alliances, the Israelites could likely secure land rights and agreements and also secure the protection of their new relatives. The catch was that they would also have to adopt or at the very least support their new wives' religious practices, meaning they had to offer sacrifices to pagan gods, breaking the first and second commandments of God if not routinely, at least as part of their marriage contracts, which involved calling the gods of the bride and groom to witness the contract, the marriage. And this was complete with sacrifices and offerings to them. And we see the male Israelites sacrificing and bowing down to Baal, Peor, and more gods in the first few verses of Numbers chapter 25. And well, some people don't think this is in reference to actual marriages with the Midianites and Moabites. I think that the individual example that we're given later on in Numbers 25 reinforces that it probably was marriages we should have in mind here. In Numbers 25, verse 6, we read, And behold, one of the people of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his family in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the whole congregation of the people of Israel while they were weeping in the entrance to the tent of meeting. So this man brings the woman to his family, which of course sounds like a marriage. He does this in blatant disregard for punishment of execution that had already taken place on the men who had previously married outside of Israel. Now, this seems like a pretty stupid thing to do from a human perspective. 
We find out that this man is the son of the chief of the tribe of Simeon. So maybe he thought that his authoritative place in Israel would protect him. Plus, it was a very advantageous marriage. He was marrying Cosby, the daughter of a chief or a king in Midian. Maybe he thought that he was like Moses, who, let's remember, was also married to a powerful Midianite woman, Zipporah, the daughter of a Midianite priest, which is a bit of an awkward reality in this chapter. Now, I think a good case can be made that Zipporah and her father converted to the worship of Moses' God after the Exodus. And we can probably assume that Moses' marriage was grandfathered in because it happened prior to the receiving of the law. However, I think it's interesting that the next time we hear about Moses' descendants, a grandson, he's living in Israel as a priest of idols. You can check out Judges 18 for that which might be intended to make us consider the warning of God's law for Israel in Deuteronomy 7 that says about the consequences of marriages between Israelites and pagan religious nations, for they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. Regardless, this final episode of rebellion against God in Numbers 25 marks this wilderness generation as fully unworthy of entering the promised land. And it's notable that right after this incident, we get a new census of Israel, a census of the next generation that would be able to go into the promised land. None of the older generation made it in, not even Moses, Aaron, or Miriam, only two men who won their entry by their faith in God to deliver his promises, Joshua and Caleb. Very, very interesting, Corey. And uh, we need to pay attention to that because that's exactly what God says. And uh, that, that's very, very critical. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. Janice? Yes. Well, my segment, The Everlasting Word. Ryan, thank you for your delivery as well, because I heard you say every detail in the Bible is there for a purpose and a design. And that's actually right where I was going today as well. God's records are precise and given to us for a purpose even beyond what we can understand at this present time. The records and the names that we're reading through in Numbers and and a a lot of the the early books of the Old Testament, they may seem repetitious, even boring, or, or certainly of no value, but we know and understand that every word of God is there for a purpose and for a design. We know that the word of God is powerful. I want to read you some verses, Hebrews 4, verse 12. And to some of you, these are going to be very familiar. Let's remind ourselves. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Psalm 107.20, a verse that this um, ministry is based on. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. 1 Peter 1 verse 24 says, All flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. So as we are going through the Bible, there will be portions that seem repetitious, that seem like little details that are unimportant for us today. But I sit here firmly believing that every word, every word in this Bible is dimensional. It's living and it's active. And we may not humanly understand it, but our spirits are receiving nourishment and information from God. So 
Let's keep that in mind as we read through the Bible that it's God's word. And let's try not to skip sections, but to actually read every word and ask and pray to God before we begin to read that our spirits would hear and understand through God's Holy Spirit what his word is trying to tell us. It's really important because when you read the word of God, it seems repetitive. Mm -hmm. And then when you read the word of God with the Holy Spirit in mind and the, the spirit of God you know, motivate you and, and hear you. And you don't read it to put your ideas into it, but you read it to get out of it. You begin to hear the Holy Spirit talk to you. Mm -hmm. And you're like, what? Really? Is that what that means? Did that say? And God is speaking even through the law, the well, book of Numbers and Deuteronomy and all of it. Exactly. Well, and a lot of times, you know, I've heard, you know, in sitcoms, if you back in the 80s, I remember kind of being, um, it, 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 it frustrated me because I could hear on some of the programs they would tease about and so-and-so begot and so-and-so begot. And they were kind of making fun of the Bible. And I thought, you know, there are times when I go through and you're, oh my goodness, you're going through all of these genealogies or or contents of Solomon's um, temple that he builds. And, and you think this is so repetitious. But in all honesty, I truly believe that there are dimensions within the Bible and within the words and within the pages that is literally nourishing us and feeding our spirit. He sent his word to deliver us and, and deliver us from our destructions. And I truly believe that. I think a so, lot of people, I, I agree with you 100%. And I think a lot of people, you get into First Chronicles, which we'll get into the first nine chapters are very difficult because it's so-and-so, we got so-and-so, we got so-and-so. Yeah, but don't lose heart. Don't, because don't that, heart. that all means something. And yes. even the names mean something. Yes. So anyway. Very good. All right. So let's continue on and let's read through the Bible and continue going through this. It's going to be great. Thank you for your subscriptions to, of course, the podcast. That's our program. That's the weekend edition. And that is Beyond the Call. That's a program we do talking to people. It's very, very interesting. So we want to encourage you to go to Spotify or wherever you get your podcast and make sure you subscribe to Bible Discovery TV. Father, we pray today that you would help me to discipline myself to read your word. Help me to stay close to you in the name of Jesus Christ. And we all said together, amen.